0: Amen. As I said, we have these wonderful children, but you see the society we live in today and how dreadful it is. I don't know if you know, but now it's one in four teens in high school in America believe they're not straight. But we know why they have these ideas, because they're lied to. Kids today in our schools, they're lied to every day, and it's awful. And you can't even trust something like Sesame Street. Sesame Street now propagates to children cross-dressing, transgender. Horrible things like that. And it's to little children as they continue to warp their minds. It's disgusting. But it's, it's when you see this stuff, it's terrible. And you think, what is going on? But we know as the word of God tells us that what will be called good will be called evil. And what will be called evil will be called Good. And now they continue to tell us and send it down our throats that men can have periods. My wife was just showing this. There was a whole thing about this. And that we have to honor this and think that way. And it's like, wait a minute, what? But that's relativism. See, it's the way of their own thinking. They're not thinking of what truth is. They're getting rid of truth. Absolutes. We know that this is the moral authority and the absolute of God. His very word. And we need his wisdom more today. Amen. We need the word of God. These aren't just words spoken by our parents, but these are the words of life. As Jesus said, he said, I've come to give you life and that much more abundantly. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter three, a very pivotal scripture in the word of God. It's always great to share with other churches this topic because the time that we're in, we need that course of life to walk upon in which God would have us to walk his truth. We can't stray away from this and that, but know the narrow road in which God has for us, and which Solomon here is instructing. Also, verses 5 and 6 are very pivotal verses. People remember to trust in the Lord with all your heart, not lean on, on, you're not on your own understanding. These are scriptures people love, are widely known. It's most people's favorite verses, would you say? So with that, we'll go ahead and get started. Proverbs chapter 3, he says in verse 1, My son... Do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. And so as we go through this, we're going to break it down. And so that first part of verse 1, he says, My son, do not forget my law. And what Solomon is talking about there, he's not talking about just the law, the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the very words in which God has commanded them. Everything. And so for us as believers, it's all 66 books of this Bible we are to live by and what God commands us and tells us how to live. Not only that, he says, but let them, but let your heart keep my commandments. And literally what that means in the Hebrew, it means to purpose to obey what God has told us. We are to purpose and walk in such a way that we would have life, purposing in our hearts to follow the very laws that God has given us to live. And so that's how Solomon starts this off. We are to purpose and obey in our life to follow after Him, keep them in our hearts. Now, I was raised in a military family. My dad was in the Navy for 23 years, he was a chief, he retired as an E7. And one of the things, when you look at the different branches of military, they have special operations. Navy has Navy SEALs, Army has Special Forces, and Ranger Battalion. Then you have Air Force, and what the Air Force has is the PJs, their parajumpers. These guys live with skill, give everything to walk in such a way. And most of the time, people fail because of the physical aspect. Well, let's say you make it now through the physical aspect. Well, living and listening to different podcasts, the next thing most people fail out of special forces training, is land navigation. Land navigation, they can't keep it. And one of the things that we have to understand, my point being though, if we are going to have life in this world, it's to purpose and obey what God says following in his direction. And that's how Solomon starts it there in chapter 3 verse 1. He says in verse 2, also, this is the product of obeying what God says. Look at the next part. He says, "For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you." So this is a product of listening and obeying the law of God and what He's taught us in keeping it in our hearts, that we would have peace and long life. and we need the peace of God in our life. Amen? We need that in our life because you've seen people in your life, maybe you have family members or others in your life, friends, that there's never a dull moment in their life. There's never a moment where they're at peace. There's always issues. There's always problems, things that are happening in their life. They're never at rest. They never sleep. Things aren't just peaceful in their life. Well, because we obey God, we have that peace of the Lord. And as the Bible says, that's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And to have that in your life fruitfully is to obey what God tells us, to walk in His path. And then in verse 3, He says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. And what Solomon is saying there, for those two things, mercy and truth, keep them. Do not forget them quickly. And we know in our flesh, the first thing we do is forget mercy and to show mercy to others. Even though we believe mercy should be shown to us, what about us showing mercy to others? See, there was someone I know very dear to me, actually ended up losing out on his inheritance. See, his parents had a remarriage, and through that, the step-parent had a grandfather that said, if you have this person in the will, they will lose every, I will not give you anything. And so in doing so, what ended up happening is they told their son that he would no longer get anything, and they went along with what the grandfather said. And so now this boy has nothing. He's not getting any inheritance from his family. And what's amazing is his dad, who he loves very much, isn't saved And he said, I would rather let the light of Christ shine to let my dad see who Jesus is and that I would forgive him and show him mercy than it is for me to fight this rigorous battle to try to get what's mine. He wants Christ to be shown first and foremost. And that's the heart we should have for others around us. We always want mercy for ourselves, but we forget we need to show it to others. First and foremost, let mercy be shown. As it says as Jesus gave that wonderful Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So let not mercy be forgotten, first and foremost, in our hearts. And then secondly, he says, let truth not forsake you. And we can see truth is going by the wayside in the culture of Christianity very quickly today, rapidly. Churches that have bellied up to forsake the word of God no longer holding to its absolute But now compromising the truth, saying that you can receive heaven by believing any way that you want in God. And these churches that say this are mainstream denominations. You have different mainstream denominations that once held to a biblical view, no longer holding to it, telling people you can be whatever you want, but still be saved. That's blasphemy. That is not the truth of God. But yet today we've seemed to forgot the truth and adhere to false teaching. And even in Calvary chapels around the United States, adhere to false teaching. It's really sad when you hear these things. But for us as God's people who continue to follow the truth in the word of God, do not forsake it. Do not forget it. See, it's just like what Paul taught in Second Timothy chapter 4, where he said, and he's telling his young protege, Timothy, there will come a time when they will no longer endure sound doctrine. Meaning the truth of the word would offend these people so much it would make them sick. That they wouldn't want to hear the truth of God anymore or what he had to say. They would no longer endure sound doctrine. Now that word sound was Paul's favorite word in the, Old, in the New Testament. He used it many, many times. And what that word means in the Greek, it means hygiene. It means to be clean. People would rather to hear from something that is lifeless and dirty. That isn't going to bring life. Rather than the clean, pure word of the truth of God. And so for us, as we continue, let us not forsake. But continue in truth, not forgetting it quickly. But adhering to it. And it's sad to see in our culture, even in the church world. Completely neglect the truth of God. So there's Solomon saying there bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart do not forget so quickly ultimately is what he's saying now verse four and so you will find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man as we know by us living this way people will see there's something different about your life By us adhering and listening and obeying God's laws and being merciful and abiding in the truth, people will see a difference. High esteem because you're different. Remember, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, live in such a way that would cause others who don't believe to believe because they see a difference in your life and how you live. Then he says here in verse 5, one of the pivotal verses, people's a lot of favorite verses as they say, It says, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. That's hard. It is difficult at times in our life, regardless of what's going on, to trust in the Lord. But what it's meaning is that we lay down, face whatever may come, we are going to trust in God no matter what. See, when my son Liam was uh, two weeks old, We were at the. I was at actually having jury duty, and who wants to have jury duty? It was awful. But not only that, then my son was going in for a routine circumcision, and what the doctor ended up doing was cutting into his urethra, splitting it open, and, and it was it was terrible. He was only two weeks old. It should have been routine. It wasn't done by our primary pediatrician. It was done by someone else. And he botched it into where uh, my son's uh, penis has issues. It's going to have issues and scarring and stuff. It's, it's awful. But at that moment, we have to learn to trust. Regardless of whatever's happening, as difficult as it is. I've never had any issues with my kids before. And I'm going, God. And I... I Leave jury duty. And I get this call. This frantic call from my mother-in-law. I can't even understand it. The service is so bad wherever she was at. Care flight. Flying out. All this. And I'm like, what? And I'm trying to call. Nobody's answering because they don't have service. Wondering, worrying what's happening. But it says also not to lean on your own understanding. Because God always is with us regardless. We trust him no matter what. Because you know what ended up happening? There was a doctor there. Highly qualified who's a urologist, who's never there in the office. But guess who was in the office that day? That doctor. By the grace of God, we didn't end up having to care flight our son out to UC Davis to a more higher care, palliative care. What we ended up doing, he was able to do under local anesthesia, sew up what this other doctor messed up. So by the grace of God, praise God. But in times of Trouble or whatever it is, trust in God, lean into Him and not try to reserve to yourself, trying to reason in yourself, not learning or leaning on your own understanding, but what God is speaking to you or whatever God is showing to you is what Solomon's saying. And then he says there in verse six, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. And so, what's amazing about these two verses. How can God expect to lead us and show us if we don't trust or acknowledge him? See, if we're not trusting or acknowledging God, how is he supposed to direct our paths, as the scripture says? So in order for God to lead us, we have to trust in him and acknowledge every step of the way of our life. And what the sad part is, people in the world and even people in the church don't acknowledge God. They're not trusting in him. And the sad part is they think they have Freedom. They have freedom in this world and what they do. But I'll tell you what real freedom is. Real freedom is surrendering yourself to the Lord. Trusting and acknowledging him. And every step of your life. And in doing so in that their freedom really is. But people are sold lies and things like that. And they trust and lean on their own understanding. Thinking they have freedom when they don't. What they're in is in bondage. But when we trust and lean in the Lord and acknowledge him. He directs us and that's where the real freedom is. So Solomon there tells us what real freedom is, is we trust on the Lord and not lean on our own understanding, and he shall direct our paths. Now, verse 7, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be healthy to your flesh and strength to your bones. And there, it's self-explanatory in what he's saying. Depart from evil. Turn your eyes away from these things and don't be wise in your own eyes. Because we know plenty of people in this society today, like our president and people in leadership, who think they know better, think they know the truth and what real Americans think about things. It's amazing. But what they do give in to is an evil and other things. But what God tells us is that we should be looking to Him and that we shouldn't be looking to what we think, but what the Word of God thinks. And it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And then verse 9, he says, honor the Lord with your possessions. And so first things first, and what now he's getting to is what we have should be used to glorify God. Meaning the items that we have that own, they don't own us. We use them to bless other people so God could be glorified. And with the storm that we just had, are you kidding me? I mean, it's amazed that we're here this morning. It was terrible. I mean, it was like, there was a few Sundays we had to cancel because nobody could get to church. The roads were blocked. Uh, the CHP says, don't go anywhere. I mean, it was terrible. But what I mean by that is that blowers and those giant scoops, do you guys, have you seen those up here? They're like ergonomical giant scoops that you can push snow into the road. I mean, they're high value. Everybody wanted one, but everybody who had one was having to lend them like our neighbor, Our neighbor let us use her all the time and it was amazing and a blessing because we had issues with our blower and we could use her and we also have a flat roof. Now, the flat roof thing, who's the fool? The one who built it or bought it? We have a flat roof in our house and that's our fault. (laughs) And we have to get up there, but the best thing is that scoop thing for our roof. And the point is our neighbor constantly uses her scoop, but she was so gracious to allow us to use it so many times. So in point being, what Solomon is saying, we need to not let the stuff that we have own us. We use it to glorify God. And another thing that is a fruit of our life, we should be valuable what people need. We should value in others, allowing our stuff, letting them use it, not owning us. And then he says, and with the fruits of your increase. Now, I didn't come here this morning to preach on giving or tithing or anything like that, okay? But it is in the scripture, and he talks about it. Ultimately, with whatever we get, we are to give to God. Whatever increase first comes God, is the mindset we should have right off the top. Not the middle, not the bottom. Well, I'm going to pay everything first, and whatever I have left, I'll give a little bit. Look, the Bible talks about a giver, and the giver in the heart should be one that is hilariously giving, is what the Bible says in the Greek. When he says to give good, he says it means hilariously, that it should not be an issue, that we're laughing all the way up, that <laughs> we're giving, because it doesn't mean anything to us. We're happily give to God, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Raul Reese. Raul Reese was talking and giving this illustration, he was in church, and he's preaching, and his, the seats were like this, and you can see the people in the front. They were close, and he saw that the people were giving into the basket, and when the basket came by, this guy grabs out his wallet, and he's wrestling with it. He's like, ugh, ugh, and he pulls out the money and puts it in, and he says, if that's your heart, don't give. I don't want anything like that. Take it. Go have an in and out. Be blessed. You know, Do whatever. You don't have to have a heart like that. And it's amazing that the idea is to have a heart for God. And so whatever we get first should be right off the top to the Lord is what Solomon is saying. Verse 10, he says, So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So in other sense, what we have will be blessed. And in that, you want to know how people are going to be blessed because what we have doesn't own us and people see that. We are charitable as God's people. And people take notice to that. We don't care about your money. God takes care of us. He does what he does. But at least as his people, people will see that we are giving in what we do. Solomon is talking about there. And now Solomon is switching gears as he's going to be talking about correction. Look at verse 11. He says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So, as I said, I was raised by a Navy chief, and my dad, whenever I was out of line, would beat my behind. I mean, he would never let me get away with anything. Anytime that I have, that I messed up, he would discipline me and beat my behind. And the thing is, My dad wanted me to be a productive member of society, not to be a slob or a lazy person, and to show elders respect, and to be a member out there doing things. But you understand, in this passage of Scripture, when God is dealing with us, we are not to detest it. When God is correcting us, he's doing something in you. Don't detest that. Have an open heart and allow God to work in you what needs to be worked. And I'm grateful for my father for being on me constantly because it's great that I'm a member of society that's productive and I respect others and I show love. Most of it is because of Christ, but he's helped me to understand not to just think of myself and to make sure that I'm not an idiot in life. As we see so many people 30 years old and here we are dealing with other people's undisciplined children. It just amazes me in society the mindset of this, but with correction From the Lord comes God working in us, changing something, doing a work in you. Don't despise that. Remember, as the dirt is impacted the seed, it has to be impacted with force as it's crushed to the ground. So God in you as he works, he's beginning a new work in life in you. Don't detest that. Then he says in verse 13, which I love this verse, he says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Now, it's not just, oh, how happy in a physical sense or a feeling. He's talking about spiritually. Oh, how happy. It means uh, it means a happy man. But it's not just happy in the sense happiness comes and goes. He's talking about a spiritual life of joy in the Lord that we would receive finding wisdom in God. But the key to this is finding wisdom in God. And I have a quote here from... Warren Wearsby. he says, Many people are smart enough to make a good living, but aren't wise enough to make a good life. A life of fulfillment that honors the Lord. Amen. What he's talking about is that people are smart enough to pay their bills. They pay their mortgage to do all these things, but do they have wisdom enough to put God first in their life? We all know how to maintain our car and change our oil and to make sure we do all these things. But do we have the wisdom of God to find Him and put Him first and foremost in our life? In other words, having wisdom enough to build Him in our life, in our homes, in everything that we do, He's surrounded in us. And in that, we will be happy. We will find spiritual joy in that. As the verse says, happy is the man who finds wisdom And the man who gains understanding, but are we smart enough to do that around the Lord and to find his wisdom? We all have enough wisdom to have a good life and to make sure we get to work on time, but what about God? Then he says in verse 14, For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain in fine gold. And now, what Solomon is talking about here is the value of wisdom. This very wisdom that he's given us is better than all the rubies in the world. Having the value of knowing God and understanding him is worth more than all the treasures in the world. Then he says here in verse 15, She is more precious than the rubies, and all things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and her left hand riches in honor. So in another words, from wisdom, we gain these things. Because of the wisdom of God in our life, we gain access to these things and have financial stability. But that's because of the wisdom of God in our life. That wisdom that we have, that changes us ultimately and helps us to live a good, godly Christian life. And as we live in this world, there's blessing and honor in these things. And from that, we have understanding and we gain from that. And I'm not talking about these TV evangelist people that say you want a Ferrari, God wants you rich, you know, that's nonsense. But there is truth in what God allows us. And in understanding and having his wisdom, but his wisdom ultimately is the blessing. Forget the objects and things we have in the world. The ultimate gift is knowing Jesus Christ. Knowing God personally. Verse 17, it says, Her ways are our ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Verse 18, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and are happy, all who retain her. Now, it's saying that it's a life that is a tree that grows. Well, how does a fruitful tree grow? You've seen trees that grow next to ravines. You see the Truckee River and other places. Down in the South Lake Tahoe, we have the, the Truckee River also runs through there. And Through there, you see a part of the river and there's trees that grow right next to it. Well, those trees are bigger than the ones that are further away because they're next to the source and it brings life to their roots. And so in doing so, being planted next and having wisdom, being close to God, ultimately, what it means is that we take a hold of that and we are happy. But again, it means spiritual maturity. In that, we have happiness. We have a growth in God, knowing him, knowing the joyfulness of knowing Jesus and growing in that. And through that, we gain that spiritual maturity, being connected to the source. And it says, to all who retain her, meaning keeper, keeping wisdom, keeping understanding of God and who he is. And in doing so, the blessing that comes from it, growing spiritually. Continuing on, it says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth by understanding. He established the heavens. Meaning by who God is, he has created this earth. So why argue with reason from the world or any other aspect and get knowledge from anything else when the very God in which we serve created the heavens and the earth masterfully? He created you from the dust of the earth. He gave... He gave man a woman from them and did surgery on Adam through the rib of the man and created woman. And through that, God knows all wisdom and all things, and we can trust him with our lives. As we know, God has begun to work and change in us. So if we've seen the evidence of God and what he can do, then why would we reason on ourselves and take wisdom from anywhere else as Solomon is saying, this is the God who's created everything. So in him, all wisdom that he has is value, and he is our source of life and everything. Verse 20, and in closing, he says, By his knowledge, the depths were broken up, and clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So in closing, Solomon is saying there, let it not depart from our eyes meaning our focus is eternal we continue to look till our very last dying breath we look to the lord for everything he is our strength and our rock and as it also says in proverbs chapter uh, 18 verse 10 he is our refuge a strong and mighty tower who we seek refuge in let us not lose sight of that because that is the god we serve that is who he is to us. And so he says, do not let it leave depart from your eyes. We look eternally. Keep sound wisdom. There are counterfeit gospels out there that will preach in name of Jesus Christ, but it will be a little bit and have some things about the Bible, but is not the complete counsel of God. It is false. So we keep sound doctrine, we keep the truth, being aware of what's false so that we're not led astray. We know, as it says in Thessalonians, there will be an apostasy that will come that will lead many away from the faith. And so we, as God's people, continue to look to the truth, not being led away by falsehood, as some seems true. Remember what Jesus said on the Olivet Discourse. This is Matthew 24, the study of the end times. After the disciples say, what is the sign of your coming? What are these things that are going to happen in the end? What is the first thing Jesus says The first thing he says, do not be deceived by false prophets. That's the first thing he says. So we have to be studious students of the scripture, looking to the truth, being careful and being watchful. But what's propagated out there, that we also don't partake of this stuff. Because there are many that continue to teach falsehood, and then it gets into churches. I mean, it's really sad. You have mainstream... Teachers that have taught and they great books and their churches have kind of changed the whole idea around books and not the word of God. And so we need the truth of God not to forsake that. And lastly, as he says, and discretion. Being wise, being careful about how we go about these things. We, are, we use wisdom when we go about what we see and what we look at. And so remember these things, as Solomon says in chapter 3, verse 1, we purpose in our heart to follow him. And as we do, all these things will follow. And when God begins to work in your life, don't detest it. Embrace what God is trying to do in you. Because you don't want to have to repeat that exam in your life over and over again. But allow God to work and finish the work in you, what he's doing. Are we ever finished until we die? No, but there are certain things we don't want to have to repeat and what God is trying to show us and teach us. And lastly, remember when it comes to wisdom, be wise enough to build God around your life. We're already smart enough to do what we have to do in society and do these things, but be wise enough to build God around that center. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for these very words of wisdom that we can learn from, Lord, as we learn not to lean on ourselves, Lord, or reason within ourselves, Father, but to trust you, and everything. And in doing so, Father, we have freedom because of that. God, strengthen us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Give us your strength as we continue to be your light in these last days in which we live in, Lord, knowing we know you're coming soon. We don't know the day or the hour, Father, but we pray, Lord, as you would come to receive us, Lord, we would be ready in our hearts. So we thank you for this time this morning and bless the food, Lord, to which we are about to receive, And the fellowship and the time together is your body, Lord. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.